0: I was gonna wear a suit and tie this morning for the shock and awe. <laughs> no, I'm talking about me, not you. <laughs> I didn't think I could handle it though. So, but <laughs> I really appreciate being here. I'm sorry for the visitors. Uh, please give it a week or so here in the pastor be back because this isn't a normal Sunday. I truly do appreciate being asked to do this. Uh, I've had a few health issues over the years, one way or another, and I've come to find out that whenever your times are the toughest is when you're getting closest to God. And it seems as if every time I had something happen, I saw God's hand in it. And no matter what seemed to be a difficult situation at the time, always turned out to be a blessing. And so that's kind of what I'd like to cover here. Uh, as we talked earlier, we've been studying Ecclesiastes, and and the author of that called himself the preacher. And boy, I'm glad I didn't know this guy. He seems like he had a pretty negative attitude. So. Hopefully I can turn that around a little bit and, uh, and have a little more of an update. Uh, not all is in vain under the sun, as far as I'm concerned. This life that we have here on this earth that the Lord has given us, it's what you put into it. Do you have that attitude that it's all in vain? Or you do you have that attitude that you thank God for every situation and everything he's done for you? And I'd hopefully, when we're done with this today, that hopefully you can see, too, that no matter what the situation may be, God is there, and God is good all the time. My story began back in 1956. It's when I was born. I know it's hard to believe, but yes, it was back in 1956. And the reason I'm saying it all began there, and I, it, God was blessing me long before I was even born. The mother I had uh, could not afford to have me. She was a single parent, had a number of children already, and so she knew when I was in the works that I was needing to be put up for adoption. Well, it all ended up, and I could spend another two days telling you about this whole situation with the adoption and how it was a family situation and such, but I was adopted into a beautiful, loving family, uh, two people, Lester and Lester Rican over north of Wellsburg, who spoiled me rotten and took care of me beyond belief. I was in a church all my life, and I was just spoiled, and I really, truly am ashamed of the way I acted. I was not a good kid, and uh, even worse, at 13, I started drinking and smoking pot, did that throughout my high school and uh, caused them a lot of grief and pain. And I uh, look back on those days and wish I could have done things differently, but it's how it is. But uh, I thank the Lord every day that through those years of drinking and everything else that I never killed anyone or hurt anyone because many a night came when I did not remember how I come home. But uh, as I went through, in 1974, I ended up Mary Tony, mm. and we ended up having three lovely children. We had Anne Marie. She's sitting here. And we had Jen, Suzanne, and Tara Elaine. And Tara's in there somewhere with her little one, too. And so that was a wonderful time. We had some three kids, and we had a great time out on the farm, living out there and doing many, many things. Kids grew up with a lot of animals with them and uh, since that time I've married Kristen and Aaron has come in, so we have four daughters who's blessed us with uh, many grandchildren. We have Katie and Lane and Haley and Veda and Riley, Olivia, and it sounds like another grandchild and a great grandchild on the way, so our our family is truly, truly blessed and it's been a great, great time. Uh, Throughout the years though, as Time went on, about 1993, my alcoholism got to be about enough, and uh, Tony and I divorced. And it was a tough time at that time, because uh, the children were various ages, and they had to go through a tough time of parents leaving each other. And I had to give up the drinking, and so I began AA. And as I began AA, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, and even before that, I began picking up my Bible and reading the Bible quite a bit. I didn't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior at the time. I knew the Bible was a comfort, and I knew that was something I needed to turn to. But uh, that's what I was reading and getting into. And early one Saturday morning, it hit me. I couldn't handle it anymore. My family had broke up. The alcoholism had come to an end, and I, I was just not knowing how to handle the feelings I had. First thing come came to mind was, how do you get rid of these feelings? And the first thing come came to mind was, I drink a few beers, I'll be fine. And decided, no, I didn't want to do that. But ending my life, is that an option? And I thought, no, I don't want to do that. So the third thing I had was looking for help. And at that time, the hospital here in town had a psych ward. So I called in, and I admitted myself into the psych ward. And uh, they knew why, because I was trying to figure out where I was at, and there was a thought of suicide, so it was time to be there. It was a blessing, a true, true blessing, because I was reading my scripture and doing what we needed to do in there. But I had two women that were in there working with me throughout this time that the Lord put in there, and that was uh, Brenda Beckman and Dottie Henson. They both were attending this church at the time, and they knew I was reading the Bible. So as I was reading the Bible, they were giving me passages to read. They were feeding me the Word. They were feeding me passages to bring me to the Lord. And after I left there, Dottie's husband who was uh, Chuck Henson and was an instructor for me when I had gone back to Ellsworth, called me and said, would you like to have a Bible study with me this evening? I said, that would be awesome. So we sat down at a Bible study, and he pulled out this tract. And in this tract, he started talking to me about Jesus and God. Could we have that uh, slide, please, for that tract? This is uh, the ultimate slide, and I'll be getting to that, but there was originally a slide. We were on one side, God on the other side of this huge cavern, and it talked about, well, how do we as people get to God? There's a huge gap between us, whether it's a cavern you imagine or whether it's heaven itself up there and we're down here How do we connect with our Lord and Savior? These were verses that come off of our Sons of God cards that we send out, which I'm sure are a lot of the same verses that Dottie and uh, Brenda gave me that night. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6:23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5:8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners Christ died for us. Ephesians 2:8-9. For by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Acts 3.19, repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. And 1 John 1.9, we confess our sins and he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all righteousness. John 1.12, but to all who did receive him who believe in his name, He gave the right to become children of God. Did you catch that? They say we're all children of God. According to scripture, it says, but to all who receive him, Jesus Christ, and who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone heard my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him, eat with him, and he with me. And this was a part of the track that hit me. The little light bulb come on. All the stories I heard while I was growing up of all the things in the Bible, and I just considered Jesus' life another story of the Bible until I saw this. And we're on one side the sinful people, how do we get to the holy God? One way and one way only through Jesus Christ. And it all came in, came to light to me at that time that that is it. He's not just another story in the Bible. He is the Bible. That is what the whole Bible points to, is salvation through Jesus Christ. So at that point in time, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior and my whole life began to turn around and change where I started living for him instead of for myself. Now moving on into the life that the Lord gave me then, if you think that once you accept the Lord your life becomes an easy street, well think again, because that was just when the trials began. Uh, And I I don't mean this in a negative way because the next thing I'm talking about is Mary and Kristen in 1995. So please, Kristen, that isn't what I meant. (laughs) 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 And that's when Aaron came into the picture as well. And uh, I was working for the Hardin County Conservation Board at the time as a naturalist. became a director in 1998. And then in 2004, One, at the age of 44, had my first heart attack, and I had been sick for a weekend. And then that Monday evening, it started hitting me very hard in my chest, and I just thought I had a chest cold or pneumonia going on. I woke Kristen up in the middle of the night, said, I think I need to go to the hospital. This is hurting pretty bad. So on the way to the hospital, I'm pr- praying for the good Lord to take me because it hurts so bad, and she's praying, "Don't, no, no, please don't." And I'm saying, "Yes, take me." You know, we're going back and forth, but we're good, and I made it fine. Got it to the hospital, and they declared it a heart attack. And next thing I know, I was life flighted to Des Moines. Down there, they did an angiogram and put in two stents. And fortunately, it was on the backside of the heart, so they said it was very little damage. I thought this is great; Everything's sounding good. After I was back in my room for a short period of time, they I rolled back the sheets. At one point in time, my whole leg was blue and black, and it had started bleeding inside from where they had put the uh, stent or the tube to put the stents in. And so I had a doctor basically stand on my leg for about 20 minutes, which felt really good. But then for the next six hours, I had to lay totally still until this healed. And I thought that was bad enough. But shortly after that, it was that during the night. Kristen was spending the night with me, and she was a nurse. And she said, I am going to spend the night here while you're in the hospital. I said, I need a bed pad, I'm feeling sick. So she hands me the bedpan, and I take care of business. She turns on the light to get rid of it, and it's full of blood. It was a short time later, I had blood coming out of the other end, and before long, I was bleeding out of both ends continually. And they called in two or three doctors, a number of nurses, and uh, determined I probably had a GI bleed going on, but they had no way of doing anything about it because I had been on so many blood thinners that they said, if we try to cut into you, you're going to bleed to death. If we try to run a tube down, it's probably going to cause more problems. So while they're trying to figure out what they might be doing, I'm slowly bleeding to death. And uh, I'm looking at Kristen saying, this probably is not a good thing. And she said, no, it's not. The blood pressure is dropping pretty quickly. And so I was lying there, getting weaker and weaker, losing blood, and thinking to myself, this could be it. So I started praying and I prayed to the Lord God Almighty and I said Lord I don't know what you have in mind for me but I know dear God that I'm in your hands and I know that if it's time for me to go it's time for me to go and I'm more than wel- more than happy to come and see you if it's time to stay I'll stay I have beautiful family I want to be around I have more things I want to do and I said I want to preach your word but this is entirely up to you, dear God, and I leave it in your hands. And at the same time, I didn't realize, Kristen told me later, she was singing praise songs, holding my hand as she as uh, I was lying there. And we just waiting for things to happen. It seemed like the doctors and nurses were at the same time. And all of a sudden, uh, things kind of leveled out. And my blood pressure slowly started rising again. Somehow, which I think those of us that believe and know the Lord God stopped the bleeding, and it became it come back. I had to have six uh units of blood and plasma to finally get me back up fairly well, and then they said the rest you're going to have to make yourself, and a few days later sent me home so at that point in time, I came so close to facing death, and at the same time i found found myself about as close to God as I had ever been. Nights after that, still in the hospital, I found myself lying in bed, my hands up, praising the God, the Lord God I have, because he, he did truly save my life that evening. Uh, it was after that, <laughs> I decided it was time to buy my Harley Davidson. I'd had motorcycles since I was a little kid. Like I said, my parents were f- spoiled me rotten. I rode all kinds of motorcycles from day one, but never had that Harley Davidson. And my parents always said, "No, no Harley. That's for that's for those deadheads and such. You are not riding a Harley. It's a whole different thing today." So I went out and I bought my Harley Davidson, and I decided that the good Lord Almighty is going to give me a Harley Davidson. I need to write it for him. So I started looking online trying to figure out where can I go and who can I ride with in order to promote God's word. And I went from CMA to a number of different places and ended up with the Sons of God MC. So from that time on, from 2002 on, I've been with the Sons of God MC. I have my brothers here today Rico and Sonic and wives and I truly truly have a brotherhood there that I cannot (laughs) can't explain what it's like to be with those kind of men we have that fellowship here in the church men and such but when you have a fellowship and your brotherhood here with the same patch in your back it turns into a whole new thing and we ride the motorcycles, and we preach the word of Jesus Christ. Our uh, scripture for our club is Romans 8.14, For as many as are led by God, they are the sons of God. John 3.17 is another one we have for our local chapter here, is, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And it wasn't too many years ago, our brother JJ and his wife put together this uh, plaque that we have ha- in our houses, and each one of us has one of these, Is Proverbs 27:17, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. We've shared a lot of miles together, we've shared a lot of good times, we've shared a lot of tears too, and a lot of hard times. Not too many years ago, one of our brothers, we lost him to cancer. And uh, it was a blessing. We were able to do the funeral service down there in Council Bluffs. After the service, we had one of the people that were in the in the service with us, come up and f- said to me, I never thought I'd say this, but I think I'd like to have a bunch of bikers do my funeral service. <laughs> it was a it was a blessing. It was a great time, but there's a brotherhood that you, uh, that you never forget and a brotherhood that's close to my heart. Ah. Uh, 1995, er, or I'm sorry, i am got to back it up, 2005, Kristen and I took a ride on our motorcycle, having to be hers because mine was being worked on. We took off to Ames with Chuck and Deb Humiston to look at a motorcycle for Deb. On the way home, it was a little later than what we expected, and there was a lot of deer out, and the crops were up in the field. It was probably close to this time of year. So we decided, let's take the back roads so we can avoid all the deer. We were doing about 40 miles an hour, avoiding all the deer, and I didn't even see it coming. Didn't I don't remember nothing about it. It got broadsided by a deer. It hit me on the left side, took us down. Uh, we skidded about 70 feet. Kristen skidded on her face, her helmet all gouged up. She said when she stopped skidding, she checked herself to make sure all was well, and she was good, a little skinned up, a little sore, but nothing totally broke, and banged-up knee. And then she found me lying in the fetal position in the middle of the road and told me, you got to get up. That's not a good place to be. And she said I just jumped up and ran over and sat down in the ditch. And the only thing I remember of that is the mosquitoes. And oh my gosh! I remember mosquitoes, but that 's about it. And it was about that time Chuck and Deb Humisson turned around, come back and while Chuck was holding his handkerchief on my head where I was bleeding pretty well, he was calling nine eleven and they came out and picked us up and What we didn't find out till later was when the, they got there, they checked my pupils, and they were both dilated differently, which is not a good thing. That usually means a little bleeding on the brain, a little brain damage, and believe me, I I can't afford to have any more of that. (laughs) (coughs) So, they hauled us over to here to Owl Falls, and I think uh, at that point in time, this uh, emergency room hadn't seen that many people at one time. I was amazed. That was one other thing I could just remember. I was starting to remember a little more things as we got back here. There was 20 to 30 people from this church there praying for us. And uh, that was way cool. Well, they stabilized us, uh, got Kristen uh, stitched up and checked me out, and my pupils were doing fine then. So, but they were still a wo- little worried because I had a concussion. I had like 16 stitches, uh, broke three places, and my collarbone I had five broken ribs. And so they thought maybe we should uh, send them down to Moyne just to check overnight uh, to make sure that nothing further happens with the brain damage. But as you can tell, it did. No. <laughs> So we were down in Des Moines overnight, but nothing ever did materialize. I mean, Kristen says to this day, and I can tell, too, I don't remember things the way I should. Uh, There's a few things there, but by golly, all in all, the dear Lord blessed us once again. We had uh, all those people praying, and I'm sure that is what saved me and kept my bleeding from continuing in my brain at that time. And I praise the dear God for that. Uh, <laughs> it was only a couple years ago I had prostate cancer. Uh, we were able to save that. It was all contained, took the prostate out, and worked out well. Seven weeks later, I had the gallbladder out. So it, we went well that way. February of this year, I uh, started having a little bit of chest pains again and some problems going on and not feeling quite right. I didn't mention anything to Kristen. I figured there was no sense in uh, getting her wound up. So I just kind of kept it myself. One night, it was getting pretty bad again. So (laughs) I didn't tell her. We went to bed, and I got online. I donated my body to science, number one. I told her uh, a long time ago. I said, uh, cremation and donate my body to science. Is the way we're going. I didn't tell her that, but I got online, donated my body to science, and then I told her maybe we ought to take a trip to the emergency room. And she said, okay. And so we went to the emergency room, told them, I think I have a heart attack going on again. And they checked, and EKG said, no heart attack. Blood work said, no, everything looks good. So, okay. So we stayed overnight, and uh, the next day, Doc Van Gorp decided it was time for me to have another angiogram done. So they put a word in to Mason City, said, we need an angiogram. In the meantime, you can go back and take it easy. Well, I just went back to work. And uh, about Thursday, we haven't heard anything about an angiogram, so I called the hospital, said, no word on the angiogram yet. Well, we'll check into that. Well, about noon is when all the pain started again. And by the time I was into my third nitro, Kristen had me down to the hospital, and we said, we think it's going on again. And at that time, they checked. EKG said, no, everything's fine. Blood work said, everything's fine. Keep this in mind when I'm telling you this and you're having chest pains. And they say, everything's fine. Then they decided, well, we better get you up for that angiogram so he sent me up there the next day I had the angiogram the doctor went in and about twenty minutes later he come back out and said we aren't doing any stents we aren't doing anything here you've got three huge blockages and the uh, widow maker is ninety-nine percent plugged and he says we aren't doing these with stents so we scheduled to have open-heart surgery and I had to wait at least three days for all the drugs that they use for the angiogram to pass out of my body before i could go out there so i had to lay in bed for three days and they didn't want me moving much with the uh, with the widow maker that close and so i had me a lot of a lot of drugs there was a lot of things going on and i thank the good lord for my family because here once again i had them there daily. Kristen stayed with me as much as she could, and when she couldn't, Ann was staying with me. I, I was babysitted very well. They were there. But the doctor didn't even hardly want me going up to go to the bathroom. He said, we don't want to take any chances here. So the next time you go in and they tell you, well, the angiogram says it's clear, the blood work says it's good, we really don't know what's going on, push it a little bit, because I thank the dear Lord today that all this happened as it did, because with the way I was at any point in time, it could have been the last, and the Lord worked me through that. I had the triple bypass done by some surgeons, Dr. Waters and his group up there. They were fantastic. I enjoyed my stay up there. The nurses were fantastic. Everything was great, but then I didn't get to go home right away. any of you have ever stayed in a hospital, you know, there's always certain things you have to do before you can leave the hospital. (laughs) And I had this problem before this even started. So thanks to the intestinal fortitude, I was still in the hospital two, three days after the surgery. And one day I woke up and I was just really having a pity party on myself, laying there in bed thinking... Lord, you've blessed me and got me through all of this and you've done this and you've done that and I truly, truly do appreciate it. But Lord, cannot this one event just happen so I can go home? And I was sitting there and next thing you know, it was like the Lord knocked on my brain and said, it's not about you. And I said, it's not about me. It's not. not about me. You know, you think to yourself when you're laying in there, you just had a triple bypass. You've had everything going on, but it's true. It's not about me. It's about him. It's about what we need to do for him. I started sharing with the different nurses and the people coming in and talking to them about where their faith is at and where my faith is at. I even had one nurse said, well, how'd you come to become a part of this sons of God? And I've never done it before. I broke down and cried telling her how I became a part of this group. And I talked the rest of that day to different people about the Lord. And 5.30 that night, (laughs) the doctor come in and said, we're sending you home. (laughs) And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where, there again, I found out through that time, it's not about me. It's about Him. I tell you, I. the times that goes on, and, and I'm so, so grateful for the Lord God Almighty. <clears throat> for us and the sons of God, we, we always put it this way, that the Lord God Almighty is number one in our lives. Our family is number two. Sons of God number three. And uh it's truly, truly what it is to me. My family, my sons of God family, this church family, it all that's what it took to get through all this. All of that. I don't know what people do without families like that. I could go on and on, you know, and it's just been an awesome time. But 2 Corinthians 4, 5 through 6, I thought this sounds pretty good. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord. With ourselves as your servants for Jesus Christ's sake. For God who said, let the light shine out of the darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I was blessed through each and every one of these situations. Each time I became closer to my God, each time I became closer to my family and appreciated them more and more, each time I appreciated my life and what there is to offer, appreciated my brothers in Christ and the sons of God I appreciate my church family I appreciate so much I find concentrating on the positive aspects of my life leaves me in a thankful and joy, joyous state of mind John 11:4 For when Jesus heard it he said and I don't know if you remember this John 11:4 Jesus is actually talking about Lazarus and I, believe me, I'm, I'm not saying I'm like Lazarus, but it sure gives you something to think about. John 11:4. but when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And from each of my situations I've had, when I've gone down with these things, that's what I feel. It's not there. It's not a pity party for me. It's not a time to go, oh, woe is he. It's a time to glorify God and show how he's blessed us and how he's blessed me. So after all said and done, what do we have to show for our time under the sun? Did we love and show love? Did we live for ourselves or for others? Did people see Jesus through us? Did we lead people to Jesus? As I usually end is, God speed, God bless.